Even though you might be like, hey, let's put out a number and let's see if we can hit it. It's not, it's not satisfying once you get there. It's sad, the journey's satisfying because you know you're growing, you're getting all these, like you're getting the infrastructure built, your team's built and all these things, which is the fun part. But once you actually hit a certain number that you thought was out of like your realm to hit, then you're just like, well, I could, I did this last year. Like I need to do more next year or else like, you know, like it's just something inside of you that's just like keeps pushing you to be like that. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, today we have Amir Hashambai with us, a man who was born in LA but moved to Dallas, like many, many people are doing, because there is some great things going on in Dallas. This is a guy who has $25 million of assets under management. And for those of you who might not know what that is, that is simply he owns $25 million worth of properties that he is uh, renting out and making some income from. So, Amir, what I'd like you to do is take us into how you tripled your business in the last 12 months. Yeah, man. I think, it, it, man, it's been a crazy last few years just uh, trying to figure out how to scale, how to get more projects going, figuring out where to plug people, who to bring on and all of that. But um, yeah, the biggest thing that we did like end of 2021 going into 2022 was we just asked for more contacts. We, we wanted to, we knew we needed more people to help us to take on more projects. Um, we just didn't know how that's going to shape up or look like and, and how the funding is going to come to do all that and to take on all these projects. But we kind of just took it a day at a time. And um, we went from doing running two, two teams that were running two, to two projects or so at the same time to running roughly five, sometimes even six teams, depending on how many projects we had going on at the same time. And we put out about 30 units last year that were fully rehabbed and then place into management as rentals. Wow. And so your entire focus, it appears, is really in building your portfolio more than just flipping for income. Yeah, we, we have actually never sold anything in the last seven years that we've been doing this. Um, we have not sold one property. Everything is like on the long-term mindset. So like if you're going to put in the work from day one and you know take on a distressed property, do the full rehab, which is the hardest part of it, because if you're rehabbing everything from ground up, you know exactly what's going into it, how you're gonna, how the property will perform later on, and then you're placing it under under management. But if the whole property is fully rehabbed, you don't have too many maintenance calls that come in. If the property looks nice, it's easy to. It's also very easy to rent out. So once you place it under management, it's it, that's the easy part. And then getting financing on a very nice home, it's 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 not it's not that pays very well in rent because you you just fully rehabbed it. It's not very hard to do. Correct. But it's still like, I mean, obviously you're making some cash flow on these properties, but I mean, you're taking mm -hmm. the money, the time and the effort to buy them, to fix them up. Now you're hiring more team members. H how are you guys sustaining your life while focusing all your efforts on, you know, future money, future net worth? Yeah. I mean, we're, I mean, we're, it's, I don't know we're, we're, the money is hard because it, it's so many projects and stuff going on. We live on very little right now because we're, we, we both understand. The best part is that my wife is my partner. So we both live, work together. So we understand where, what's going on in business, where we need to adjust to make sure that portion keeps growing. 
we can live on very little. We don't have any kids right now. It's just us two. We both work together, so we know what's needed of us. Uh, so we, we live on very little, but, but everything goes into future growth of the company. Which is so amazing, right? Because, I mean, this is the recipe. This is the secret sauce that takes people from where you started to multiple millions, maybe billion-dollar net worth later on, right? Is you're reinvesting everything into your company, right? Which, in this case, is real mm -hmm. estate properties. So you're living like, you know, you're pro poor, but really, I mean, you have $25 million under assets. <laughs> it's, it's cool on paper. And then when you actually live in life, no, we're still clipping coupons and getting those um, happy hour deals. In your vision for your life, when do you see you go from clipping coupons to <laughs> living a little bit more extravagantly? Um... It's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if that. Um, I don't know if that's a transition, or if, I don't know if that's going to come just over time, and we kind of feel a little bit more comfortable, I guess. Um, but we don't have that. We like like our our goal was never to get to a certain number and then be like, hey, we're done, or we're going to retire, or or this is the, like you know maybe I don't know the number is like ten thousand a month or whatever the case is. It it was never set out like we never set out to build this business based on that. Our our goal was to build a very large business and it was going to be, I mean, we were just going to go all in on it. Um, so yeah, I mean, if it, if it comes to that, I mean, I think it's just going to come over the course of time where we feel like a little bit less pressure. And so we're like, Oh, let's spend a few extra bucks here. As a strategy, you've picked nicer properties that are either new or rehabbed. Obviously you've gave some evidence for why that's a good thing. You have less maintenance calls, et cetera. What other strategies or lessons have you learned along the way for someone looking to build a very big portfolio that you think is valuable for them to know? Um, I think, I think getting your own financing in order is probably one of the best things to start off with, even before you start buying properties. Cause obviously if you have lots of personal debt, credit card debts, I mean, if your housing expenses is like. I would say even more than like 20% of what you're making, um, you can't really invest because you don't have that excess cash that you're saving up or, or putting away because things come up. Like we take on projects and we have, obviously we have rehab budgets, but things happen when you open up walls or, or once you get into it and you're going to need that extra funds to put into that stuff. So I think getting your own financing in order to make sure, well, you also have to get your own financing in order to be bankable. You can't, you can't get financing on distressed property or, or long-term financing. If you're holding these properties, if you don't have great credit and if you have lots of debt on your own name. Yeah. So let's talk about you and your wife. So you guys are on the same page. I mean, kudos to you guys, right? I mean, usually it's one or the other. That's like, no, I'm not clipping coupons. I'm not doing this. Like, <laughs> was it always the case you were on the same page or, or what was the process like to create the shared vision? Uh, I think our journey was a little bit different. We, we met when she was 13 and I was 14. Um, so we basically grew up together. Like, I mean, we were dating ever since then till now. So Growing up together, that kind of helped because you kind of build the same mentality as you're growing. And so we never had to have a conversation of, of like, hey, this is what we need to do to do this. We were just like, hey, we, should, we need to make a business for ourselves. What are we going to do? We came to the decision that we're going to do real estate and uh, just go into it. We knew that this is, this is what it's going to take. It's going to take us living on rice and beans to get something up and going. Because just like any other startups have to do. And, um, and then that's, that's just how it went. 
What an incredible gift that you guys are on the same page. What do dinner time conversations look like? Are they business or are they other things? It, it always comes back to business. I mean, it might start off and we might say that we're not going to talk about work, but it always somehow ends up like, you know, you'll have like two seconds of downtime when you're not talking. You're like, oh, did you remember what happened today or what did you do today? But it always somehow comes back to it, even if we're trying not to. And how do you guys divvy up the roles of, you know, are you handling acquisitions? Yeah. He's handling management or? Uh, the greatest part about our relationship is we are opposites of each other. So they're, mm -hmm. everything that I basically like to do, she hates to do. Everything she likes to do, I would never even touch. So I'll handle we, acquisitions we kind of do together. We, we kind of both enjoy doing acquisitions and deal finding. Uh, but the financial side, I'll completely handle. Like if that's finding lenders on the front end, back end, piecing the deals together, how we're going to get funds to fund the deals. I'll, I'll piece all that together. She's very creative and uh, de design oriented. So she'll do floor plans, um, layouts, design, picking materials, finding materials, sourcing materials. And then she's really good with relationships. So she'll go and source different material people and we'll, we'll make a great relationship with them and, and get great pricing discounts. Um, she also handles all of our, like the back end of our property management side of it. Like, whereas I'll handle the front end, which is the maintenance and anything that else comes up and I'll assign our team members roles and stuff. She'll handle the back end, which is like the paperwork, the processing, um, anything to do with our property management software, all of that. It's interesting. So it's, it's not that each one of you is in a different part of the business. It's like you're both integrated in various aspects of each business, whether it be exactly. front end or back end. Yeah, that's, uh -huh. that's amazing. And, and was it very easy to get to those roles or did it take some, some effort? Um, it did, because uh, there's a lot of stuff that we still do that we don't like to do, um, but but we know we have to do it until we can plug somebody else in or, or hire it out, which we're slowly starting to do. I think that's what we kind of realized over the last two years is we need to start offloading some of the stuff we don't like to do because it kind of drags you down throughout your day because if, if you really don't enjoy what you're doing, you're just going to, you're going to take a longer time to do it and it's going to kind of drag you down from doing the stuff that you're really good at or that you enjoy to do. Um, so there's still a lot of stuff that we do that we don't like to do, but we've understood how to do hiring now and how to hire these roles out, whether it's through VAs or through, you know, just like, uh, random gig workers or whatever, whatever the case may be on, on what we're talking about. But, um, but yeah. Amazing. Now you made a decision a little over a year ago to triple your business. And so obviously like from the way that you were describing that, it sounds like that wasn't maybe the easiest decision to come to. Like what was the thought process before is like, cause I mean, you had to make a decision to hire a lot of people, take on a lot of expenses. What was the thought mm -hmm. process and the discussion that you were having internally with your wife before you made like, Hey, we're committed to growth. I think we felt the momentum coming cause we've, we, we've done it for a certain amount of years. We knew exactly how everything worked. Uh, we knew how, DFW was poised to become like, because there was so much influx of people and we're like, we need to, this is like, this is a great time for us to grow. And this was like, probably like during, I think COVID actually helped us a lot because COVID was a great time where we had, we both had downtime, which we don't usually do have. Like we're never home at like one or two o'clock, just sitting around and just talking or thinking, but COVID kind of shut everything down to where we were home for at least half the day. Um, on most days, like, you know, around one or two o'clock for the rest of the day. And this was like, this was a great, uh, time for us to just sit down, talk, plan out how we're going to do this, 
we knew it was still a great time to buy. So even during COVID, we were still buying quite a bit of properties. Um, but that's when we realized that scaling up is just doing repetitions. And so we were just going to do the same thing and implement it over multiple properties at the same exact time. Um, but that's, I think, I think COVID was a great turning point for us. Yeah. And you had done enough reps to where you felt like, okay, we understand the KPIs and we understand the process. If we bring somebody on, we know exactly what the role is, how to manage them, how to get them productive. Exactly. Just replicate and do it multiple times over. So now that you've tripled your business, does it give you like a thirst for more? It's like, Hey, now that we've tripled, we should triple again. Or what, what's coming down the, in the future? It does. Cause like, even though you might, even though you might be like, Hey, let's put out a number and let's see if we can hit it. It's not, it's not satisfying once you get there. It's sad. The journey satisfying because you know, you're growing, you're getting all these, like you're getting the infrastructure built, your team's built and all these things, which is the fun part. But once you actually hit a certain number that you thought was out of like your realm to hit, then you're just like, well, I can, I did this last year. Like I need to do more next year or else like, you know, like it's just something inside of you that's just like keeps pushing you to be like, I, I can be better. Why not? Let's see what, let's see what we can make this. Yeah. And you were born and grew up in LA. And so, mm -hmm. which is obviously a big, you know, Metro, it's got a lot of investing opportunity. What, what appealed to you about DFW over LA? I don't think that was more my choice. I think that was more of my parents' choice. I was still young at that time. I think I oh, okay. to Dallas. Yeah, I was, I think we moved to Dallas when I was either like nine or 10 years old. Um, so that was just them. They were like, I think the affordability out there was just ridiculous. And so buying a house out there for them was just unrealistic. I think a Dallas was a move to be like, Hey, we have a family now. Let's see if we can make a move to, to probably afford a house one day. And, and I think that's why they made, they made the move. Yeah. And there were some business opportunities they were looking at. So. Awesome. And then, so you were obviously raised for the vast majority of your older life in Dallas, which was what made it so natural. And obviously it's such a great place to be right now. I mean, like many of the agents and investors we talk to in Dallas are just there. It's just so great because the influx of people, the, the price increases are going through the roof. So you buy a property today and it's worth way, way more in the future. Exactly. Exactly. There's, and there's just so many cool things coming out here. There's so many different developments. I mean, a lot of cities are focused on like one area, which might be like a downtown area, but we have so many different parts of Dallas, which are up and coming. Like you have stuff going on in the North, in the West, like in downtown, in multiple areas of the city and huge developers and, and brands that are coming out here from different parts of, of the nation, which, which is, it's just awesome. It's, it's all around. It's, it's great. So let's talk about, we obviously understand that now that you've had some success, you're, you're going to accelerate. What are, what were some of the tr uh, challenges that you faced in scaling? Um, across the board, I think, I think we, we have dealt with issues with contractors were one of the biggest issues. And I'm, I'm sure anybody in real estate will tell you that because finding great guys that will just show up and do what they say they're going to do. And for the amount they say they're going to do, is just, it's unheard of in the industry. Most people do not perform what they like. They say they're going to do for the amount that they say they're going to do and show up on time and get it done on time. It's just, it's just not there. Um, but over the course of time, you'll find guys that are, or, or teams that, that perform decently enough to where, where you can output a great amount of homes. Um, 
I think that was probably one of one of our biggest challenges. Uh, finding financing, that's obviously the second biggest challenge. You have to continuously find uh, money to do deals. Not only like for us, not only on the front end where you're buying the distressed properties and rehabbing them, but also finding the money on the back end to hold the properties. Um, that was the second biggest challenge. Um, and then just continuous, like the, the continuity the continuity of like the, the maintenance portion, because not only are you doing the acquisition and the rehab and the, like a full construction business basically, but you have to still maintain everything that you have had from the last few years. So I think challenges across the board, but for anybody listening, I think, I think the, the best thing is to just take it a day at a time. You're not going to figure all this out at once. We didn't figure it out. We're still figuring stuff out, but you make improvements and, and your company keeps going. So obviously there's been some challenges and I, I thank you for articulating those. And at the same point, there's obviously a reason to do this. Like what have been some of the, the gains that you've realized? Like what's been the big like incentive or sticker in front of you that's keeping you going? Um, we've always had some kind of like, we've always had a thing to build some, a large company for ourselves. It was, it was like one day me and my wife are going to, Put, a, put together a company. We're going to have, we're going to own a building in like downtown, like a skyscraper. And we're going to have our name on top. I don't know that for some reason, that was just one of our things that we always talked about. And, and, and that's just what we're trying to strive for right now. It's just that if we can maybe like right now, we're only doing single families and some small multifamilies. Um, but at some point we want to do larger projects. We want to do the, the larger hundred, 200 unit multifamilies and get, start scaling up that way. Um, but yeah, that, that's always been the goal. It's just like, we just wanted to grow a very large company and just at one day, just look back and be like, hey, it was us two that started this and this is what we made out of it 30 years from now. Which is so cool to be able to do that with your childhood sweetheart that you were dating since the age of 13 and 14. Um, yeah. and I'll, I'll look out for the Hashambai Tower here in the next <laughs> 10 or 20 years. That'd be fun. Um, <laughs> what, what has been like, I mean, if you're like a craziest real estate story, what's been the craziest thing you've experienced so far in real estate? Dude, so many stories, so many stories. Um, probably one of the ones that was the most painful for us, um, there was a project that we were working on. This is probably one of our largest rehabs going on at the moment. Uh, we usually don't do six-figure rehabs. This was probably our very first six-figure rehab. Um, and so many different things going on in this project just because it was so distressed. Like it was distressed to a point where the city was going to come and condemn it if nobody had bought it uh, at the time we had bought it. Um, because there was, it was just attracting like snakes and rats and everything into the neighborhood. That's how bad of a distressed uh, property this was. But we had gone through <clears throat> renovate, like we had gone through, you know, demo, renovate, like some framing and all that stuff. We've had, problems with our first group of contractors fell apart. They just stopped showing up. We finally moved on after, I think this is probably like four to five months in, we finally moved over to our second group of contractors. Things are finally going well. Um, we're done with dry insulation. We're done with drywall. And then there was this week where, uh, the temperatures had just dropped below like normal in Dallas. Like I think it was getting like zero or just, just under zero or something like that. And so basically our city was shut down. Nobody was working. Um, the biggest thing that was going on in Dallas was pipes were starting to burst because it was so cold. We're just, I guess our pipes are not made for that. And um, they're not insulated. They're not always insulated. 
And so we were just like, we were just doing our rounds around the properties to make sure all the waters and everything was turned off. And we finally get to this property and we see just, just water running down the uh, driveway. And I, I was just joking with my wife and I'm like, oh, look, there's like a water leak or something going on. And just not knowing what's going to, what's going to happen when we walk inside this property, we walked into this property and there's probably at least six inches of water, six or seven inches of water, just up into the house and we're just like, shit. We look up and there's like a stream of waterfall going on in the middle of the living room. Granted, we just did drywall. We just finished compound drywall and all of that. We were finally like seeing the light of getting this project done. And then we're like, damn. And like at this point, we try to get the water to freaking turn off. And the water thing was so cold that the, the valve wasn't even turning. It took us like 30, 45 minutes to get that figured out. And nobody was going to come to work for the next couple of days because the roads were all frozen and everything. So it was just me and her. Um, I'm glad I had a shop back in the car. Uh, we went and picked up a, a pump from like down the road at Home Depot, pumped all the, like just left the pump running over there while we tried to shop back as much of the water out as we could. And then, um, yeah, man, it was just, it was just, uh, so it was crazy. just a rough day. Just a rough day, man. And we just uh, we started demoing some of the drywall to salvage whatever we can of the house, threw away some insulation and stuff. But it was just, it was just one of those moments where you just like look back and you're like, man, if I didn't probably get through this, I probably like this was like one time we were like thinking like let's get out, like let's not do this, let's not do this anymore. Um, yeah. But but once you get past that, you're just like, oh, anything can come and I can take care of it. Well, exactly. As you get through walls, I mean, I know Huberman, I listen to his yeah. podcast from time to time and you get in the cold plunge and it's like, you count the number of walls that you can get through. And every time you get through a certain number of walls, it's like, it becomes easier to think about adversity in the future. Now exactly. you, you, just you guys started what, over time. hundred percent. What, what year did you guys get started? We got started in 2017. So, I mean, you're at this, you've been at this for like six years and you've got $25 million of properties under assets. So assuming nothing else happens, right? You buy no other properties and you just allow these properties to pay themselves off. In 20 or 30 years, you assuming the properties haven't even appreciated, which would be an unrealistic expectation, but assuming they haven't, you've already built a retirement that's set in motion of $25 million. And you've done it yeah. in six years. I mean, that's the crazy thing. Like I'm listening to your story and I'm like, dude, for anybody out there listening, that's saying, Oh, this is not glamorous enough. They're just having to live on coupons. You built a $25 million <laughs> retirement. Likely they'll double by the time you retire. Right? So you probably built a $50 million retirement. That'll be free and clear in 30 years off of six years of hard work and, and being responsible with money. Like kudos to you guys. Thank you. Thank you. It, it yeah, doesn't, man. it definitely doesn't feel that cool on this side. It's just like, it's just another day. We're just like out here just doing things that we need to get done. It doesn't, you don't ever look at it on paper of like where you're at. You're just like, I just need, this is what I got to do today. This is what I got to do. I got to jump here. I got to go there or whatever. Um, but yeah, when you sit back and you actually look at what you've done, you're like, yeah, it's pretty cool, but nowhere near where we want to be at. Yeah. But on our, totally. on, on a good track. And I mean, there's some really good mindset lessons, I think, from what you're saying, which is like, I mean, you just don't view, you're not looking and smelling the roses and the flowers. You're just like, what do I have to do today? And while some people maybe yeah. need that, you know, uh, level of enjoyment, you've been able to discipline yourself to, this is what my duty is. This is what my job is. This is what our goals are. And because you have that hyper-focus, you've been able to do some pretty incredible things in a pretty uh, short time frame. So Amir, like, I'm so thankful that you came on the show and you shared about your life and your journey. I mean, you talked about your childhood, your life, like the, the decisions that you're making. 
So guys, if you're out there listening, write down something you learned from this episode. If nothing else, like take down some elements of the mindset that Amir has brought to us today. Share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable. This freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode.